Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We know your life will be changed for the better by listening to God's word. If you'd like to know more about Trinity Beaumont or contribute to our ministry, please visit www.trinitybeaumont.com. I already feel such a strong presence. Let's just take a moment to just soak in that. I don't want to move from that too quickly. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. I can tangibly see the glory cloud over this place and God's heart wanting to encounter each and every one of us. And I hear him saying, how you walked in is not going to be the same way. How many know one word from God can change everything? I thank Pastor Andrew for allowing me here and Brother Jason actually is the reason we connected. Uh, we were talking about that earlier. Back in 2018, we went on a Honduras trip uh, together, and we connected, and that's a, a friendship, you know. It's been, what, three, four years now, a little over that. And we just hung out that whole day and just fellowshiped, and I was telling her, it's so wild. It seemed like everywhere we went, people just were getting healed left and right, you know. <laughs> And that whole, that, that marked me, you know, and never been the same from there. Something about getting laid out in the middle of a stadium in a foreign country, and it just, it changes you, right? <laughs> and then I actually lost the ability to speak in English for a while. And if anybody knows me, not being able to speak is a miracle. <laughs> That's really God. <laughs> but, uh. We've just been connecting over the past couple of weeks, and Pastor Andrew was sharing how, sorry, sharing how uh, he really felt that connection, and I did too, you know. And the Lord's just really been tugging at that again, like I've connected y'all for a reason. And we started, he said, hey, I have this idea on, on a men's retreat, and we just begin to seek the Lord. I was actually scheduled to go to Colorado that same weekend. And my wife's like, have you booked the tickets yet? And I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm getting a check in my spirit. I'm not sure why, you know, I love Colorado. Uh, I've been out there. I went like four or five times last year and I'm connected to a lot of churches out there. And uh, I said, no, I haven't got the green light. I, I really need to, I'm not going anywhere unless God tells me, you know? And so then he caused and He's like, well, it's this week. And I was like, that's where I'm supposed to be, right? And uh, just as we connected over the past couple of weeks and been praying, it was like, man, we were having some glory encounters. 
you know, and that's one of the signs that you're in God's will is his spirit will begin to manifest when he's in agreement. And I, I just, the Lord began to speak, and he said, it's a clarion call. I had to look up the definition of that. A clarion call is a strongly expressed demand or request for action. And the Lord began to shout to me, I'm giving a clarion call. I feel that so strongly this morning. And what that call is, it, it's, it's a sound to arms. He said it's time to be militant. It's time for us to rise up in the power and the authority that God has given us. Thank you, Lord. I, I'm one of those, I'm going to be honest with you. When people are always saying, hey, Christ is coming soon, Christ is coming soon, it's, you know, I was one of those, well, yeah, y'all, you know, I, I believe he's coming, I know that, but it's not going to be tomorrow, you know, it's, I, I was one of those, right? I said, do y'all said he was coming during World War II and World War I because there's been some dark times, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and there was just this strong sense of urgency, and he said, I'm at the door. And he said, it's time for y'all to go after the harvest. Come on, thank you. And I had to repent. I said, Lord, forgive me if I was, I've been taking your, your coming as, as slackly or lethargy. It was, it was stirring me up to shake something off, some apathy that had tried to creep in. We know that a thousand, a thousand days is but a day to him. Wow, I just feel that. Jesus. He said, I'm looking for a remnant that is ready to rise up and say, here I am, Lord. Use me. I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony. I got saved June 8th of 2014. I had been in and out of the streets since I was 12 years old. I got hooked on cocaine and alcohol at the age of 15. By the age of 12, I was already on 1,200 milligrams of lithium carbonate, which is an antipsychotic. I was on 150 of trazodone just to sleep at night. I was on over 50 milligrams of Abilify because I was very suicidal. Uh, I began to see doc, uh, psych doctors at the age of five years old. I actually burned my grandfather's house down, and I almost died in that fire. I remember being surrounded by flames, and there was no wind, nothing, just a solitary fan. I was actually trapped under the bed. It was one of those beds that... Uh, had the uh, sheets that go all the way to the floor and it just the whole thing had caught on fire and I remember that fan falling over and it had blew the flames just enough for me to walk out and when they asked me what happened I said well the shadow man told me to do it or he was going to hurt me I remember encountering this shadow figure and him giving me the lighters telling me where it was and 
all that. And so they're like, all right, let's take them to the doctor, you know. But there was, I found out years later, my aunts, they said, I don't know why that happened. We went through the house and did sage and lit candles and cleansed the place. And then you burned it down. I said, you did what? You did witchcraft. You opened more doors. And they said that the, in the ruins and the smoke and the ashes, you could see demonic fig- figures. And during that time, there was a lot of molestation that was happening to me. My dad uh, and mom, I was getting shuffled off of different family members. My dad was 15 when he had me, and my mom was 17. My dad was already a big-time drug dealer in eighth grade. He had a candy paint blue Cadillac sitting on 24s from selling drugs, the only eighth grader with that type of car. And my mom was 17, so they would give me to different family members. And that's where molestation was happening to me and all these different things. And I began to grow up with a lot of hatred and bitterness in my heart. You know, I didn't understand why this stuff was happening or why my mom didn't love me. I I just had this spirit of abandonment and rejection on me. And it, it drove me into the arms of the enemy. I had encounters with the demonic at an early age. And I would get so tormented, I would feel like something's dragging, pulling me off the bed, hear growling, choking in my ear, all that. It would feel like something's on top of me, choking me. And finally, I got so tired of it one day. And I was so broken and so lost, and I, was, I wanted love so bad that I told the devil, I said, it seems like you're the only one pursuing me. It seems like you're the only one that wants me. Nobody else wants me. I said, you, 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 you chased me down constantly. And I said, here I am. I'll serve you. I'll, if you just love me and allow me to have some sort of peace. And I begin to have these encounters. I was raised Catholic, and that's a whole other story. But I began to have these encounters to where it would tell me what to do. These thoughts would come into my head. Light this candle, do this, you know, write this on a piece of paper, burn it, let the ashes burn you, throw it in the wind. And whatever I prayed for in that way, it would begin to manifest. It would begin to happen. It was a counterfeit. It was idolatry, you know. And you see what ended up happening. I ended up in six different mental hospitals. I was constantly hearing voices, constantly tormented. I had came, I've been life lighted twice, and the very last time I was 20 years old, that's my beautiful wife back there. We got together shortly after I got out. Of, I ended up in prison at 17 for selling drugs, and a whole other story there. But along the way, God kept sending people. I remember a school psychiatrist buying me a Bible and saying, you're not crazy. God has a plan for you. You're under spiritual attack. The devil's after you. You have a high calling on your life. And I remember looking around. I'm like, I don't think you're supposed to be talking to me about God. (laughs) Just randomly, another teacher in the middle of the classroom, she's prophesying over me. I didn't know that's what it was. And and there's people all around, and she's preaching to me. And I'm looking around, I'm like, y- y'all don't hear this lady? Like, <laughs> Come on. 
And she said, oh, baby, they can't hear us. We in a bubble right now. God's blocking their ears. I didn't even realize I was having supernatural, you know, encounters along the way. God was chasing me down. But I couldn't comprehend this fact. If you're God's real, why would he allow these things to happen to me? As a, as a child, I would cry to my mom, why doesn't my dad love me? Why, why do I see all these dads at the park and they're playing football and they're doing that and, and my dad doesn't do that with me? And eventually that pain, that hurt turned into anger, turned into hatred. It turned into I don't need him and in other explicits, you know. And I, I remember one day I told him, I said, yeah, I was younger. I said, one day I'm going to get older and I'm going to beat you down the way you did my mama, the way you did all the, these other women in your life. And I did. I ended up beating them down when I was 17 years old. And I remember looking on the ground and he was bleeding. And I thought it was going to bring me some sort of hope, peace, fulfillment. But I said, all I ever wanted you to do was love me. And I realized I was more broken than ever before. I didn't realize how much demonic was in my household. He got up. He went into the house and got a katana. You know what a katana is? He said, I'm fixing to chop your head off. I said, you know what? I'm going to leave because one of us is going to kill each other. And so I went down the street and I'm walking and I called my mom. I said, mom. You got to come get me. I just beat my dad up. She said, you did what? And she said, well, congratulations. You just did what your dad did to his daddy. And one day your son's going to do the same thing to you unless you break this. My mom wasn't even a believer. But she said, you're going to have to break this cycle. And I'll never forget this. I heard my dad yelling, Isaiah. And it was like his voice was echoing around the neighborhood. I'm going to get you. I'm going to kill you. You belong to me. I thought, okay, my dad's tripping right now. But I realized now that was not my dad speaking. That was the enemy speaking through my dad. And so I ended up in prison shortly after that. And I remember I was in Clemens Union. I remember walking in there and Everything's just burning. They, they were having a riot. You know, so they were setting everything on fire. And uh, I asked the guard, I was like, hey, what's going on? He said, tie your shoes up, which means get ready to fight. I'm like, really? And I don't care what anybody says, but if you're 17 years old and in prison, you're scared. You're scared. You might put on the biggest facade, but I remember looking down and I said, God, I don't even know if you hear me. Or if you're with me, but I need you to look out for me. I need you to protect me. And I looked up at that moment, and when I did, it was a chapel there. It said, Chapel of the Redeemed. And there was a scripture on the wall that says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you, for I have called you by name, for you are mine. And uh, it was Isaiah chapter, uh, chapter 41 or something right there. I can't remember exactly. But it was like it was shot into me, this ray of light. And he did protect me in there. I got out shortly, like four or five months after that. And there was just so many divine encounters in there. And I didn't even know it. It's like one of those, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Just walking around nonchalant, not even knowing you're coming close to death. And God's like, 
hey, watch it, you idiot. Watch it. Watch it. I'm protecting you. And I'm just like, right? And I remember being in that chapel one day. These Mike Barber, he used to be a football player. He has a prison ministry now. He's a Super Bowl champion. He has a prison ministry, so he would come in there and bring Von Juan and all these Christian rappers. And he's like, they were doing these songs. When you say this, I want to say freedom. I'm like, man, I am not going to be singing about being free. I'm in chains right now. But I didn't realize at that moment that he was talking about being free and here and free and here. Free from the shame, from the condemnation, from the guilt. Right? And I ended up going into that chapel by myself later. And I remember just crying these hot tears. I said, I need you to be my father. I said, I've been, that's all I've ever needed. And I'm trying to be a man. I'm trying to do the best I can. But I'm making a mistake and mess up everything. I don't even know how I got here. See, sin will take you farther and longer than you ever realize. It's like a roller coaster ride. Once you get on, you're like, you stuck. And I, I thought back on everything. I was like, do you know how they say this is a gateway drug? I said, I started off smoking weed at 11, 12 years old. And next thing you know, I'm on cocaine and alcohol and in prison and selling drugs. And like, how did this happen? See, there's two plans for your life. God wants to use what we go through, not that he causes it, but it's a process and he uses what we go through to mold us and to shape us into the image of his son. He plants seeds and we have to allow the seeds, which is the word of God, to grow in our heart. And that's the fruits. That's how the fruits grow. Love, peace, joy. It's in Galatians chapter five. And the enemy wants to use those same trials, those same situations, those same Things to turn you into the image of the enemy. Full of hatred, bitterness, anger, discord, jealousy. And so we have to make that conscious decision. Allow the Holy Ghost to search our hearts and to uproot everything that the enemy has planted in our lives. See, the Holy Spirit spoke it to me like this one day. How many of you have been to a a fast food place, right? You order... uh, the large drinks, the 40 ounce, and they fill it so full of ice that when you take two, three sips, the soda's gone. And I always tell them, I was like, leave the ice out. And one day the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, you know, that's like my people. I said, what do you mean, Lord? He said, they're so full of ice, selfish ambition, idolatry, anger, jealousy, that I can only fill them this much and they don't have nothing else to pour into other people. He said, but if you would just empty yourself, then I can fill you to the overflow. And when he fills you, it's not just for yourself, it's for everyone around you. That's why Psalm 23 says, my cup runneth over. And it runs over so you can pour into everyone else around you. And so I prayed that prayer, got out of jail, and guess what? I started having women come left and right. I mean, the same night I got out of jail, someone I was, you know, with before I went to prison was waiting for me at a restaurant. I'm just like, 
what's the chances that I'm going to walk in here and you're there? And she's like, you coming home with me tonight? You just got out? And I was like, well, I guess I am. I'm being real with y'all. I was like, yeah, I guess I am. Right? Next thing you know, drugs are being handed to me left and right. Everything's coming free. I was like, and everybody knows anything about all that. You don't get free stuff. It wasn't free before I went to jail. It was free that I got out and the enemy knew that he was losing his grip on me. And I ran for another three years. I actually heard God's audible voice yell at me. What are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm tripping. I know. He said, Isaiah, get ready. He told me the end is near. I didn't realize what he was, maybe the end of the world, the end of him coming. But shortly after that, I almost ended up dying. I ended up wrapping my truck around a pole. I was doing 100, hit the curb. And when I hit the curb, the truck flew and wrapped around a pole. Me and my girlfriend had just split up. Because I had, I had almost killed her. I had came in drunk, high, and I had my altar to the devil. When you walked in my house, it was right there, all my candles and St. Jude and all this. And I came in and I started yelling at it and I began to tear them off. And I was like, look, I've trusted in you. I've served you. And I'm falling apart. I'm 20 years old. I have nothing to show for myself. I'm tired of this. See, there was something in me. That was fighting to break free. And I began to rip it off the shelf. And I remember grabbing this candle and I threw it. It's glass. And it would not break. And I said, I'm tired of this. And I broke it. I stomped on it. And when I did, it felt like a hand grabbed me and picked me up and slammed me on the floor. And I got up and I started getting so angry. And I went to go light the Bible on fire. And she said, what are you doing? Don't do that. And she was not a religious person we you know when we got together but she knew hey don't light that on fire that's bad (laughs) and I picked her up and I started choking her and she said my eyes had turned black and I told her he can never love you can't you see that he belongs to me he's mine he can't love and her aunt was a backslidden Christian at the time who had lived with us and she did not get involved in our fights at all she's like hey y'all letting me stay here I'm gonna keep quiet I'm gonna stay in my room but that day she walked in and she said, I know who you are and I'm telling you, leave her alone. And I said, lady, I'll kill you too. And she said, I don't care, do it. But you're not touching my niece. And when she did that, it was like something threw me back. And I started slamming my head through the wall and I was like, why are you torturing me? Why are you doing this to me? I didn't understand at that time everything that was going on. But they kicked me out. And so years later, you know, I come to the Lord and I ask him, I said, what happened that night? Like, that was trippy. He said, there's no greater love than laying down one's life for one's friend. He said, so when she was willing to offer herself as a a sacrifice, that's what I did on the cross. So the power that was in you could not touch that act of love that she was willing to do. And perfect love cast out all fear. And so that expelled what was in me. And so I went on a rampage for two weeks. And she's like, you ready to come home? I mean, I called her. I said, I'm ready to come home. I'm end up dead or back in prison. My time's up. I always had dreams before they happened. I didn't understand what it was. And I knew I was fixing it. My time was up. 
She said, you want to come home? Come to church. I cussed her out. I said, who got you going to church? And she said, your aunt. I said, man, that lady's crazy. She speaks in tongues. And she's been trying to get me since I was a little kid. But every time I went to that church, things got worse. I visited when I was younger. I remember this evangelist gave me a sword and he prayed and I went out. I was like 12, 13 years old and everything got worse. I was scared to go. I said, you know what? I'll I'll go with you. Just let me come home. I was planning on manipulating her. I was, that's how I was. I was a narcissist. You know, I, I would go to AA you know, and, and go for three, four meetings. I got it under control. I'm good. One beer won't hurt. And I had already slipped back in, and then she would, you know. And so that night is when I wrapped my truck around the pole, that Saturday. And the last thing I remember was seeing this hole open in the ground and all these creatures coming for me. And they begin to, we actually fought over the steering wheel, and that's when I crashed, and they begin to drag me into the ground. And I screamed. I said, Lord Jesus, please give me one more chance. Don't let them take me. And when I said that, I saw a man in white come down and he grabbed me and he held me like a baby. I ended up getting life lighter that night. And it was something that was so profound to me is he didn't look at them. He didn't say anything to them. But the light that was on him was so bright that they could not even stand to be around them. The, those, those demons just took off. Because darkness cannot exist where there's light. My wife ended up having a friend that caught her during this time. I was in a medicated coma for, I think, like a week or two weeks at the time, something like that. Her friend said, hey, is everything okay with your boyfriend? And we didn't tell nobody. They were trying to keep it under wraps. She's like, Why? She said, well, I had this dream that he was in a car accident and this hole opened up and all these creatures were coming to take him into the ground. And a man came down and widened his spirit came out and they were holding hands. And he went to your daughter when she's in the wheelchair. She's non-mobile and non-verbal and gave her a kiss and said, you know, bye, basically. And he was leaving, but then. They were talking to him and the man in white, and he ended up going back into his body. And where my wife was that night, she was in a, at a, a dance at this place called the KC Hall, which is a metal building, and you do not get service in that building. It cuts your cell phone. So anyway, my daughter, at the time of the accident, began to look up and scream and cry and lift her hands and my wife could not get her to calm down, so she took her outside, and that's when she got the phone call, hey, he's just been in a bad accident. So her friend dreamed that I had went to say goodbye, and my daughter started crying and screaming. So she was seeing what was taking place in the spirit realm. And so I get out of the hospital, and the only thing I walked away with is this arm's all metal from the, uh, from the accident. I always call this my... Uh, Wrestling with God, (laughs) you know, (laughs) took my hip out, took my arm out and she's, I'm, and I'm, I'm mad. I'm on painkillers. They found out I had a broken thumb, thumb from two weeks ago at a bar fight before the accident. I had just been walking around with and I'm asking God, I was like, I don't know why you, you have me here. I never asked for this life. I never asked to be born. 
I've been trying to kill myself since I was a little kid and you won't let me go. I literally have knife marks where I would just stab myself just in anger and rage. And I was like, I'm tired, Lord. I'm only 20 and my life has been this hell. I don't even want to imagine the next 20 years. And she's like, you want to go to church? I'm not cussed her out. I said, what's with you in church? I've been growing up. I, I went to the kingdom hall. I went to the Mormon. I, I, I went to the Baptist. And there ain't nothing there. I'm, I'm, I went to Catholic church. I would go at 5 o'clock in the morning and say all my Hail Marys and all Father and the, all these. And nothing happens. And I said, whatever. Let's go. And we're cussing at each other the entire way there. I'm sitting in the back in shorts, a T-shirt, chanclas, looking like Frankenstein. And something so powerful began to happen. I began to feel this presence of God. And it began to get me angry. And I said, I can't be in here. I got to go. And she said, what's wrong? I said, I'm going to hurt somebody. And I started hearing this voice, get out, get out. You don't belong here. I went to get up, and my aunt, who had been praying with me since, for me since I was a little kid, said, boy, you ain't going nowhere, and put her hand on me and started praying. And when she started praying, I, started, I went to swing at her, and I started growling and screaming, and I ended up on the floor. And now the voice is saying, kill, kill, kill. And I honestly believe if I had a gun or something, that would have been a mass shooting. And, and it lets you know where we are at in America. There ain't no way someone... Cannot just walk and can just walk into a place and shoot that place up unless there's some type of demonic spirit in operation. And I believe it's coming to the day and age where men and women of God are going to rise up and say, no, not in the name of Jesus. It's time because all of the earth groans and manifestations for the sons and daughters of God. The earth is groaning for you to rise up and say, I'm a child of God and I forbid that. I could not move. It felt like something was holding me down on the ground. And the pastor walks up and I had my head bowed, but I felt him walk up and I started screaming, stay away from him. He belongs to me. And my voice was echoing around the church. He said, you're a liar. You got a child of God right there in the name of Jesus Christ. Come out of him, Satan. And I started growling and screaming. And then there, that little voice, that little boy that had been trapped since I was a little kid said, help me, help me, please help me. And then it took over. Stay away from him. And he said, you have a child of God right there in the name of Jesus. Come out of him, Satan. And at that moment, all this hatred and anger and bitterness and rage was ripped out of me. And I felt like scales had fell off of my eyes and I began to weep. And this warm, gooey feeling began to just encapsulate my body. And I said, what is this feeling? They said, that's love. I said, I want to hug people. This is so weird. I want people to hug me. And they said, you're feeling love. I said, I've never felt this my whole life. And they said, that's because God is love and you never knew God. And then I heard John 14, 12. Right after that, and that set the whole foundation for my walk. Verily, truly, he who believes in me can do the same things I've done and even greater. So I leave there, and I'm just like, I'm feeling like Bambi. <laughs> Everything's so new. It's a whole new world. I'm hearing Disney songs. You know, I'm just saying, I'm hearing Disney songs. It's just, this innocence was being reborn in me. 
And then my girlfriend took off with somebody else. I'm like, what is going on? I just gave my life to you and all hell is breaking loose. Right? I had, and God's like, that's actually going to be your wife. And I had to pray her back. And that's a whole other story within itself. But the next day, God actually used me to cast demons out of her. I didn't know what was going on. I, I, the Lord began to speak to me immediately. She had disappeared the next day. And I'm like, I, she's like, oh, I'm at an interview. Leave me alone. Da, da, da. I'm like, something's off. I got this gut feeling and this and that. And she picks me up and she's like, I was like, you're lying to me. I feel it. I, I know it. You're lying to me. And she's like, I was on a date with somebody. I mean, and just starts going off. I was like, hey, look, that's what you want to do. That's the route you want to go. Just drop me off. She's like, no, I'm not dropping you off. I literally like, I'm being kidnapped right now. Like, leave me alone. Like, I just wanted to be away from all that. And see, the old me, if she would have said that, her, I'm going to be honest, that them demons in me, her head might have been through the window. But just the, even that immediate response was different. That was no longer me. And she took me to the park, and she's yelling and, and screaming at me, and I could feel this something knocking and this anger rising back in me. And I was like, I don't want to be that person no more. And I hit my knees and I called my aunt. I said, I need, I need you to pray for me. I need something because I feel it coming back. And see, the word of God says that when an unclean spirit leaves a man that looks for a house, it, it, it's looking, it's roaming, and it goes back to see where it came from. And it sees that it's clean, it's swept, but it's not filled. And it says it brings seven spirits worse than the original one. The Lord told me early on in my walk, he said, if you do not put this word in you, you will not last. I, I literally had to lock myself up for the next six months and read the word every day. Pray, fast, read, pray, fast, read, pray, fast, read. I did not even know what I was doing to myself. When you put that much word in someone, it just begins to come out. Psalm 119, it says, how can a young man keep his way pure? Verse 9, by guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If you find that you have a sin problem where you keep struggling, all you have to do is put the word in your heart. Hallelujah. And it will keep you. Thank you. Thank you. It says, Blessed are you, are you, Lord, teach me your statutes. And that's the same, I love, that's one of my favorite psalms. That's the same psalm that says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So we, we begin to pray back to what I was saying. We begin to pray and she goes and gets in the car. I said, hey, something's off with her. She's acting funny. And uh, she said, well, let's pray for her. So we start praying and she starts shaking in the car and punching stuff and growling and I was like hey I gotta go deal with this something's off so we get in the car and she I hate you I can't stand you and I was like I love you too (laughs) and she's driving erratic I said now pour this car over in the name of Jesus and she just poured it over and I said say Jesus and she couldn't she began to talk like a man I was getting worried I thought I was like man did she was she hiding something from me my whole (laughs) I said, did the real her just come out? Like, <laughs> So we start praying. I said, I love you. Now, in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And when I said that, it was like something 
punched her. And she collapsed against the steering wheel, and we begin to pray. I call my aunt, put on a speaker. She's manifesting. What do I do? And she said, let's pray it out of her. And the Holy Spirit said, what did Jesus say? He said, I can only do what I see my father do. He said, you saw the pastor cast the thing out. Now you do the same thing. And she ended up getting set free, and I had to get her out of the car, put her in the passenger seat. I had to drive with one arm. I knock on the door, and I'm carrying her body, and her aunt's like, what did you do to her? I said, look, she just got delivered from demons. I didn't do anything. Don't call the cops on me. Just let her go to sleep and wake up, and she'll tell you everything that happened. And I'm backing out. I was like, I got to go. Like, how do you explain? This is like a movie. And from that day forward, my life has never been the same. It's been over eight years. I've seen God move so powerfully. Time after time after time. And it's a daily basis. I don't even post half the stuff that happens. Just randomly. just And God is looking for a church that will rise up and move in that same power and that same authority. Because he chooses. First Corinthians. It says he chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Do you know if a commanding commander came in this, off, in this church right now, right? Said, hey, we're under invasion. The Russians are at the door. This is our last line of defense. What are they going to say? Right? By the world's eyes and knowledge, man, we out of there. We ain't going to last. But God comes in here and he says, oh, you're a felon. Oh, you're an ex-drug addict. Oh, you're this. Oh, you dropped out of ninth grade. Great. You're everything I need. You're, all these things that the world says disqualifies you are the very things that qualify you. Because guess what? We will not be able to do this on our strength. We will not be able to do this on our ability, on our wisdom. Even Paul says, I don't preach with human wisdom. At least the cross of Christ be emptied of his power. I cried to God and said, why are you using me? I don't know anything. He said, that's why I chose you. He said, do you know how many come to me with their doctrines and their theologies and their pre-formulated plans and schematics on how we're going to grow the church and how we're going to do this? And it's so tightly woven that I cannot move. He said, they have their blueprints on how they're building the church and how they're going to do things. He said, but you're a blank slate. So everything I need, you need, I can just pour into you. I just feel that. Wow. There's lies that are being shattered. Even now. <laughs> the enemy said, you can't do this. You're not qualified. And I'm here to tell you, God is saying you are more than qualified. My brother, what's your name? Yes. Huh? Isaac. Come on. Son of promise. I just declare that you are a son of promise. I declare that you are a violent one. I declare that you are going to plunder hell to populate heaven. I just see you standing before the gates of hell and I see you kicking the doors in and I see you saying this way to freedom, this way to freedom, this way to freedom. I just declare that everything that has been trying to hold you back and hinder you from walking in your purpose and your destiny is being broken off of your life even now. I just lose identity over you. I lose sonship over you. I just break every spirit of rejection, of abandonment off of you right now. I just hear the father saying, come to me, my 
son, come to me. Let me father you. Let me teach you. Let me raise you. Let me grow you. Yes, Lord. I declare there's a turnaround over your life. There's a turnaround. And I hear the Lord saying today you are being marked. Today you are being sealed. Today you are being filled. I just declare supernatural peace over you. Jesus. God has a way of supernaturally interrupting us. And that's what he told me today. He said it would be divine interruptions taking place. You see it in 1 Samuel chapter 9. Saul was looking for his father's donkeys. Right? How often do we feel like we're just going through the motions, through the montany doing, oh, I lost something. Where is this? Right? But beforehand, God had already went to the prophet and said, I'm about to send someone to you that you are to anoint king. See, sometimes when we feel like we lost something, God is actually preparing something behind the scenes and you're being propelled in your destiny. Just by serving. Just by stacking chairs. Just by doing what other people don't want to do and cleaning up. You will find you some. I remember coming early on and telling my pastor, I'm called to the ministry. I feel the anointing. God, miracles are happening. And he said, great, you're going to start cleaning the church every Tuesday and Thursday night. No, I, I, you didn't hear me, right? I, I'm, I'm called to the ministry. I'm going to be preaching, right? I didn't get to preach for over a year. He said, if you can't serve where no one sees, where there's no applause. If you can't serve the house of God, how are you going to be able to stand before men? See, if you live for the applause of men, you will die by their criticism. And you know only dead fish go with the flow? That's how you know a fish is dead because it's going with the flow of the river. And God is looking for people that will go against the grain. They will set their face like flint. I'm telling you, I face ridicule. I face persecution. Some of my biggest attacks actually came from people within the church. I didn't understand it. They're looking at me funny because I'm screaming hallelujah at the top of my lungs because I just got set free from addiction and voices that I've been hearing since I was a little kid. And they're looking at me funny. And I would come home more broken than I went to church. And I would cry. And the glory would manifest. And what ended up happening was the Holy Spirit became my best friend. <laughs> and the Lord said, I'm the one that allowed that to happen. He literally spoke that to me. I was like, well, now we, I got a bone to pick with you. Why would you allow I'm, I'm being real. That's how I talk to God, right? <clears throat> Why would you allow this to happen? He said, because of the abandonment and the rejection that you came from. He said, if they would have accepted you, you would have been running after them and their approval. But I had to solidify myself as your father and teach you my word and teach you my voice so that you will only be led by me. I remember I'm covered in tattoos, right? I remember someone coming to me and giving me a fur coat and I was like, wow. I never had something this nice. 
I looked like one of them drug dealers from New York, right? And the Lord said, and I, I've been getting aware of it, and the Lord said, don't put that on. I said, why not? He said, because they're trying to conform you into the image they think you need to look. See, the, the, don't get me wrong, I, I have nice stuff now. But there was something so early on in my walk that God was trying to mold and shape. And he did not want it tainted and corrupted. And I'm not telling you go out and be a rebel. And what I'm telling you, it's time to shake up the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness. First John 2, 27 says, as for you, the anointing remains in you and do not need anyone to teach you for that anointing will teach you all things. And I'm not saying God doesn't use pastors and teachers and prophets. I would not be where I'm at in my walk if it wasn't for my leadership, if it wasn't who I've been accountable to, because there's been times that I've operated or started going in a left field and they were able to reel me back in. But what it's saying first and foremost is the anointing in you will teach you. I remember just opening the word and it coming to life. The, 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 the anointing saying, the Holy Spirit saying, go read this in Greek. When I'm going through something in my walk and I'm being crucified and he's like, you're in the garden of Gethsemane right now. And I was like, and I go and read it. He's like, now look up what Gethsemane means in the Greek. Oh, the olive press. Okay. Now go look what an olive press does. Jesus was the olive tree going to the olive press to be crushed. And they see there's so much meat. How many times have we read this story but don't grasp the revelation that is actually in there? He says something so profound. He comes out and he sees that everybody's asleep. And he's like, can't you watch and pray with me for an hour? See, how often do we feel like when we're in this lonely, solitary, dark place that we're all alone, the pastor ain't answering, we have nobody to pray with us, and we're like, what's going on? And he said, you're in the olive press right now. So Jesus says something so profound. He says, my soul is crushed to the point of death. He doesn't say my flesh. He doesn't say my spirit. He says my soul. Because a Christian is separated into three beings. There's the outer court, the inner courts, and the most holy of holies. And see, the outer courts is the flesh. The inner courts is the soul. And then the most holy of holies is where the spirit of God resides in you. you got to crucify the flesh and crush the soul so that you can live in the spirit. Are you with me? The soul is where Isaiah resides. What I like, what I don't like, the type of music I like, the type of food I like. But the soul can be easily misled. See, when Jesus had to rebuke Peter, it was because he was in the soul and in the emotions. I always put that into perspective. And my wife is walking with me and saying, hey, babe, next Friday, it's it. It's got to go. I'm, I'm done. You're what? <laughs> you ain't going nowhere. You're not leaving me all alone with these kids. No, I'm just <laughs> But seriously. Think of that. If someone very close to you said that. Peter, I, when I first read that, I said, how's that wrong? You're the Messiah, the Lord, the Lord, the King of Kings. I wouldn't want you to die either. He said he was in the emotions. And Satan can mislead your emotions. Well, I feel a certain way. I don't, I don't, mm -mm, something ain't right about that, brother. I just feel it. 
Where are you feeling it at? In the emotions or in the spirit? What is the spirit of God saying? Right? So you will find yourself in that garden where you're crucifying your flesh and you're submitting. And see, that's the only place in scripture I can find where Jesus any, comes where, anywhere close to questioning the father. Every other thing, the father said he did it, except for this one place. He's like, are you sure? I mean, is there another way? I mean, do we got to be crucified? He said, nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours. Then he said, hold on, let me ask you again. (laughs) Maybe you changed your mind since the last time I just asked you a couple minutes ago. He said, no, you got to die. That's why he said, my soul, my will. How many times in our walk, I've had opportunities to go work in the plants and we're struggling and I get in job offers making over $10,000 a month. And I said, Lord, I can take care of my family. I can do this. I can do that. I can sow into your kingdom. He said, man, that's a lot of eyes in there. (laughs) And I had to lay down my will and what I wanted and said, you know what, Father? Okay, your will be done. In this walk, I've seen... I've seen God do so much in my life. I've gotten a house that was given to me. I haven't paid rent in over four years, four or five years now. But I went through a process of being homeless. I went through a process of giving everything away. God's saying, give it away, give it away. And I'm like, my plasma screen TV, you want me to do what? Can I, can I sell it? He said, give it away. You should have seen that brother leaving the house. God bless you, brother. Thank you. It was a process of brokenness. And I, I remember crying. And I said, God, why does this hurt so much? He said, because that's what controls you. That's what's had first place in your heart. And he's like, I'm ripping it out. So that I can put myself in first place. It's not that he minds you having things. It's when those things have you. I remember the first time God began to raise me up and actually bring prosperity into my life. I I bought a $300 pair of Ariots. I've never been able to afford stuff like that. And I was fixing, I was going to the church and I was fixing to get on the altar. And I'm like, wait, I'm going to scratch my boots. And the Holy Spirit said, are you serious? You can't get on the altar because you have your boots. And it stirred something inside of me. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. And I, I scraped them myself. Because ultimately nothing is worth more than him. I pray every day. I said, Lord, you can take it all away. I want to share a quick testimony real fast. Do you know last year God enabled me to clear my first six-figure year in real estate? And it blew my mind. I said, I'm a ninth grade dropout. I'm from the streets. I didn't start building my life to 20 years old. Half the time, I don't even know where some of my deals are coming from. But when that new level hit, I started battling stuff that I had never battled before. Before, I would give all kinds of Take it, take it, thousands of dollars when I didn't have it. And now I started having a lot and I'm like, 
that's a lot of money to be given. It was the motives. God was showing me these things that tried to creep in over the years. And, and, and I began to think about Solomon, who started off so pure and so, Lord, here I am. Just give me a discerning heart. And then towards the end, it says that he began to build temples for his wives and begin to go astray. The Lord, I even feel it so strongly this morning. He is restoring the plumb line back in his church. He's calling us back to a deeper level of holiness, a deeper level of purity. In Deuteronomy 8.18, it says, for it is the Lord thy God who gives the power to make wealth. I'm not one of those prosperity preachers that will sit there and tell you, God's going to give you a car right now. I'm not Oprah, right? But I do believe there is prosperity in the Bible. When you're in the will of God, when the anointing's on your life, you can't name, show me. They all were blessed of the Lord. Cattles. There was so much land between Abraham that he had to separate with Lot. He's like, there's too much. But God wants to check the motives of our heart. Why are we doing it? What are we doing it for? And I told the Lord, I said, you can take it all. I just want you. I feel that fire. I feel that fire. See, in the, in the Old Testament, a supernatural fire would come out from the presence of the Lord to consume the burnt offering when it was pleasing to the Lord. If we want the supernatural fire of the Lord upon our lives, we are now that offering. Romans 12.1 says, offer yourself as a living sacrifice, which is holy and pleasing unto the Lord. So when you come to him, I was so foolish and ignorant and undoctrinated that everything I read in the Bible, I believed. I believed it because nobody told me this isn't for now and this was for here. And, oh, this isn't the right dispensation, brother. You know, they, they seized. No, they didn't. Not, maybe in your life, not in mine. I told someone one day, I said, if Jesus, did Jesus use the gifts of the spirit to spread the gospel? They're like, yeah. And, and Peter and John and all them. I said, man, I, I don't consider myself any way on the same level as them. And if they needed the gifts, how much more do I? <laughs> I mean, if, if, if you think you got it figured out and you don't need what they needed to spread the gospel, then, hey, brother, keep doing what you're doing. <sighs> Jesus. <sighs> wow. <laughs> Do you know what a conscription is? Let me read it to you. Composus, com, I can't even say that word. Compulsory, read that for me. Enlistment for state service typically into the armed forces. A lot of people tell me God's a gentleman, right? I kind of disagree with that. I'll just be honest. Because when Paul was on his way with Saul, on his way to go get the uh, people to crucify him and kill him for serving the Lord, he said he got knocked off his horse. Hello. Hello. He, hmm, that's what God did to me. 
You see, there's a long line in the sand with some claw marks and all that. That's where God drug me. And I'm like, no, this life is better. There's girls here and money and drugs. And God's like, I got something better for you. And then he poured me over here and I'm like, oh, my God. I can't believe I was over there. That's scary. You know what's hidden beneath the surface? I see the maggots and the worms and all these things that were. Mm -mm. You mean, I, I, you, you ever seen those shows, those movies where they escape something like a boat and they finally touch land and they start kissing the ground and they're like, thank God we made it. Thank, that's how I. See, I tell people God literally drugged me from the fires of hell and then put me into the refiner's fire. And so congratulations. Please don't shoot the messenger. But we are only responsible for that which we know, right? The word of God says to he who knows to do good but don't do it, it's a sin. There's a certain level of grace and mercy that God has upon us when we're in ignorance. Right? So don't shoot me for this next part. But it's a call that God has been giving me. Congratulations. You have just been enlisted into the army of the Lord. Voluntarily or not, God is saying the day and the age that we are in now, it is a call to arms, all hands on deck. And we can no longer rely on the one man show. On the rock star Christianity, we can't because it's going to take each and every one of you to accomplish what God wants to do in this day and age. That was the whole purpose of the fivefold ministry for the building and the edification of the, of the saints for the work of the Lord. There is a work to do. And it's going to be through each and every one of you. There are people that you can reach that I can't reach. Show them that I'm under there. What's your name, brother? We just have so many biblical names here. Isaac, Jonathan. Where's David at? Oh, Lord. You can't make that up. <coughs> Jesus. So when I looked at you right now, I saw a scroll above your head. And I believe the Lord is taking you into deeper realms of revelation. Things that you were struggling to understand in the word, he's going to begin to give you clarity. You're very smart. You're very intelligent. Wow. I see like an analyst almost, like you're analyzing things, analytical. But God says, I'm taking you back to the faith of a child. Whew, and you're going to begin to believe me again. Wow. And I see such a giving heart. I just see you giving and giving and giving and giving. And the Lord said, I'm giving seed to the sower. There's more seed coming into your hand. 
I see the hand of the Lord over your life. I just declare there's favor over your life. I declare that everything the enemy meant for evil in your life, in your family's life, is being turned around. I declare that they're going to see the glory of the Lord. And even the non-believers in your life will begin to see that God's hand is on your life. And they're going to, wow, you're going to be the only Bible some people read right now. And they're questioning, how did you not fall? And I see you just pointing up and saying, God is my rock, my refuge, Jesus. Yes, what the camera said, the strong tower. I saw the waves trying to go into your house. And it was like it was almost overwhelming you. But the Lord said, I'm lifting up a standard. See, there's more power in you than you realize. There's things that are actually happening that you have the authority to stop. And what I mean by that is uh, God showed me this. There was things that would start happening in my house. And, and I'm praying, God, you know, show me, God, move, God, this. He said, you use your authority. It's like with Moses. God, what are we going to do there after us? And he said, lift up your rod and part that sea. And I hear the Lord saying, lift up your rod and declare the word of the Lord over your life, over your family, over your health, over your wealth. Find a promise of God and stand on it. I, that's, that's what I do. I find a promise from God in here and I declare it over my situation. Because you might not, you might, the, those enemies, those devils might try to challenge me, but they can't challenge the word of God. See, the word of God, God is looking for someone who will believe him, who will stand on him. There's a testimony. Daniel Kalinda was sharing how he was, God was moving so mightily. And this pastor came and said, I don't see this in my ministry. Why not? He said, what, what is it that you don't see? He said, the lame walk and the mute talk and the, the dead be raised and. Daniel said nothing came to him, so he started asking him questions. Well, how long have you been? He was diagnosing him, right? Checking. He said, well, I've been in ministry this year. He said, well, how often do you play for the sick? He said, well, I don't know. Well, how, when's the last time you prayed for someone that was dead? He said, ah, I don't. He said, that's why you haven't seen God move. It's not that he doesn't want to. It's that you haven't put Yourself in a situation where God is going to move. Are you with me? And I hear the Lord saying it's time to step out in faith. With man, these things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. All we have to do is crucify the flesh and the soul and allow the spirit of God to. That's why Paul says it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. See, June 8th of 2014th, when I had that car accident, June 8th and then June 9th, my wife got, no, May 31st was the car accident. June 8th, I got saved. June 9th, she got saved. And then June 12th, I turned 21. That day, I died. I'm on death row. I'm living on borrowed time. I, I paid the price for their life I was living. The wages of sin are death, right? I, I collected my, my paycheck, and I died. 
So it is no longer my life that I'm living. It's him. And when that old man tries to rise, because trust me, he, he tries at times. I'm, I'm sick. I'm on dialysis. There's a, a deadly infection in me that is called sin. And if I don't put this word in me, if I don't stay connected to that vine, it begins to overtake. So when that dead man starts rising, you smell it. It smells like decay. It smells like death. It smells... Go pull a body up from the grave. It don't smell good. It's the same thing with that old man. My wife will tell you, you haven't been praying, have you? How do you know? <laughs> you want peace. You want joy. You want, you got to have him. All these things come from him. Everything else just flows living out of sonship. I was at this altar. Jesus. I just see volcanoes erupting. Volcanoes erupting. Each and one of you, I hear the Lord saying, each and every one of you are a volcano. You carry the fire of God in you. And that fire, if you were allow it to erupt in your life, will consume everything around you. And do you know what happens in, in some of the, the most fertile soil in the world comes from volcano? How do you say it? Volcanic ash. After it has burned everything up. Do you know what happens when it burns? It burns the tares. It burns the wheats. It burns everything that should not have been planted there. And I hear the Lord saying, allow my holy fire to burn everything that should not be there. Traditions, religions, monotony, apathy, lethargy. Because there's an awakening taking place. And it first starts inside of us. That's how revival happens. To revive means to bring back to life. If a revival is needed, then that means something has died. And I see the Lord with those things. I don't even know how to explain it. Where they beep, boom. You know what I'm talking about? The shock. Defibrillators. Thank you. I'm telling you, if, if, if it was dependent upon my wisdom, we would be out of there. God be showing me pictures and words, and I'm like, Google, thank you, Mr. Prophet Google. What does this mean? And what happens when the defibrillator hits you? It sends a shock through your body. Ooh. You know, they actually did an EKG on someone that was twitching. There's actually medical studies done. Doctors have tried to figure it out, but they don't show it. You can literally put in on YouTube, Dateline, medical study done on speaking in tongues. And so they did this EKG, and when she would start twitching, they're like, your brain is radiating with electrical impulses. 
There's literally electricity shooting through your body. <laughs> the word of God says that all of the earth trembles when the Lord touches it. What are you made out of? Earth. Dirt. So what happens when he touches us? We're just responding the way he created it to respond. We're responding to the touch of the creator. Jesus. See, what I'm, I'm seeing take place right now is a chopping. He's cutting away at lies. See, this morning on the way here, I, I was getting wrecked. I was getting so wrecked, I was crying. I mean, I was crying hard. I, I had a vision. And I saw my grandfather. He's been gone a few years now. I mean, I think, what, like five years? He was my best friend. And I share you, I had just got saved shortly after he passed. And he called me and he said, hey, can you come pray over me? My neck's hurting. And I remember going over there and I said, yeah. So I put my hand on him and the Lord said, not this time. His time's up. And I said, what? His time's up. He has neck pain. Like, I started arguing with the Lord. He said, his time's up. And I knew the voice of my father. And so I said, Grandpa, you ever accepted the Lord before? He said, well, I think so a long time ago. I was like, we don't need no think so. He's like, we fix it, pray. So I led my grandfather through the prayer of salvation, just prayed with him. And the next day he was paralyzed. And by the end of the year, he was gone. The neck pain was a sign of his body shutting down because he had asbestos poisoning from when he was younger in the shipyards. And so that was a sign that it was, it was done. And I had to crucify my emotions in that moment and pray, you know best. I didn't want him to go. I mean, I practically grew up there. I got dropped there every time they didn't want nothing to do with me. And I remember being in jail and him saying, grandson, just do right and come home. I miss you. And I thank God that he's given me the ability to, what's the word I'm looking for? He allowed my grandfather to see the change. I thank God for that opportunity. I thank God that he did not have to go into the grave still worried about me. But this morning on the way here, I had a vision of him. And he, it looked like the pictures when he was young in the, his 20s in the military that I seen. And he was going like that. And I said, Lord, what are you showing me? He said, he's rooting for you. He's saying, I heard him say, go get him. Keep preaching. And I said, Lord, he said, you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses right now. All of heaven is cheering us on. And he said, what you are doing has a far lasting impact than you even realized. See, we don't realize the impact that our lives are having on people. You ever heard of the butterfly effect? It, they say that a butterfly can flap its wings on one side of the world and cause a tsunami over here. You don't know 
what your prayers are doing. He said, what you're doing with your life, even though it might be minuscule, minute to you, is having eternal impacts. Eternal. Remind Remind the enemy of that. The next time he says, you're not doing enough. You're not doing. People forget about who helped lead Billy Graham to the Lord. Look that up. It started with the Sunday school teacher. We don't know if that person we're preaching to on the street can be the next Apostle Paul. My sister, I just hear the Lord say, your prayers are so effective. You might not feel like you're on the front lines, but he said, your prayers are moving mountains. I see you with the sniper. And the Lord said, once you put your sights on someone, those prayers are going to hunt them down. Like a bullet. And the Lord's inviting you to deeper intercessory prayer. Just ask him. Show me. Teach me how to pray, Lord. And I see you. I see you praying over regions and areas and countries. And there will be move of God that is happening. Salvations that are happening. And you might not even realize it, but it's through your prayer. And I see you standing one day in the throne of heaven and God saying, look, you help pray that in. Look, you help do that. It's like, Lord, but when did I do this? When you were in your closet. When you were praying in the spirit. See, it says when we do not know what to pray, the spirit itself will intercede with groanings too deep for words. Break. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Every heaviness, all weight that the enemy has tried to place on you, I break it off of your life. More. More. Yeah. I hear the Lord saying, you are so loved. You are loved beyond your wildest imaginations. I see the Lord looking down at you and just smiling. He has one of those ear-to-ear beams. He's saying, I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased with you. This is just his way of showing you. I see you. weeks ago for Valentine's weekend, the Lord told me, I was laying in bed, and he said, a prayer and a rose. I was like, a prayer and a rose? He said, I want you to go hand out roses and just pray for people. 
He said, a lot of people are lonely right now, and they just, especially Valentine's, it shifts everybody's focus on relationships and couples. And I just want you to go love on people. So I went to my church. I said, hey, I need some roses. Do you know where I can get some? And the pastor's like, we're actually ordering a lot to hand out to the women. Let me know how many you need, and I'll, I'll order you some. So I got all these roses. And you know, we were supposed to do it Saturday, but there was a mess up, and they actually ordered it Sunday. So I said, it's, I, I went to the Lord. I was like, I wanted to do it Saturday, you know, but they ordered it Sunday. Is this okay? And the Lord said, I never said when to do it. I just said, go and do it. I'll be with you. So I went and got the roses, and we went to the part that he showed me. And I walked up, and we went to this. These couples were outside, and they had this building uh, that you could rent for events and all that. And we're like, hey, we're just handing out roses and, you know, praying for people. And she's like, well, we're actually having a birthday party for my 90th-year-old mother. You can pray for her. You want to come in and give her a rose? I was like, yeah, what's her name? They're like, Rose. I was like, come on, man. So I got to give Rose a rose on her 90th birthday. It's just little God nuggets. I I, I see stuff happen like that on a daily basis. That house that we had that was given to us, when I opened the door, it actually belonged to my great-grandfather. That's a whole other testimony. They didn't want to give it to us. But my great-grandparents were married 62 years, and the day they died, the house fell apart. <laughs> and it just sat there, a hole in the roof, flooding, everything. And finally, they tried to sell it, and they couldn't, and they ended up giving it to me. <sighs> and when I opened the door, I was like, oh, my God. Why did you give this to me, Lord? This is a lot of work. He said, this is what you asked for. Next time, be more specific. I was like, oh, great. But we have watched God put over $30,000 worth of work in that house. Everything's pretty much how to get took into the studs and redone. I remember actually tearing up the floors, and I tore up one layer of rotten floor, and there was another layer. And I'm like, what the heck? So I tore it up, and it, I had to get down to three different layers before I got to the studs. And the Lord said, you know, this is a lot like my people. I was like, what you mean? He said they put on facade after facade after facade when they don't get down to the foundation of what's rotten, of what's been planted. And it ain't a condemnation. It ain't none of that. It's coming and saying, God, uproot whatever that has been planted that is not of you. Whatever my foundation has been founded on that is not your divine truth, uproot it. So that we can flow in intimacy and relationship. And so what I'm getting at, that that whole house has almost been completely redone. We just got one more room. But our bedroom, we ended up moving in like that. Me, my wife, my daughter. We would go and take a shower in the church because we didn't have running water. We would use the porta potty down the street. But I never felt God closer than I have since then. I begin to learn secrets. I begin to quote his word. 
I learned what Philippians 4, 11 through 13 means. I have learned whether the secret of being content, whether I have it all or I have nothing. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I remember being at a gas station one day and God said, go talk to that man pumping gas. And I'm like, I'm hungry right now. We just got out of church and I, I'm, I don't want to mess with nobody. I'm being honest. I said, I'm not in a good mood. But I know my father's voice and I have to obey. So I said, hey, how's it going? And we start talking and I end up praying for him and he ends up getting healed. God gives me words of knowledge and we exchange numbers and he's still my friend to this day. He ends up coming over to the house. He said, I'm actually a a carpenter. I do construction work. He said, you buy the materials and I'll remodel your room for you. He took it to the studs and rebuilt that whole room. Because of a random encounter I had at the gas station. Sometimes what we're praying for, that breakthrough, that blessing lies in our obedience. And we're like, God, why won't you speak to me? He said, go back and do the last thing I've told you to do. I've watched God move so powerfully. When I met Brother Andrew, I was working for Jason at the time and he prayed over me. I got wrecked. And the Lord said, you go to Honduras. I said, do what? I said, all right. I told him, I said, I'm supposed to go. And I think the deadline was like not even a month, two months to raise the money. And God gave it. God supernaturally provided that money in in such a short time frame. I jumped at when I heard his voice. And And I got so touched and I met Pastor Andrew and and built such a relationship with all y'all wonderful people and we don't even realize the legacies that are taking place here through Pastor Pastor Cameron's faithfulness I don't know if when he built this house, if you knew everything that God was going to do through here. Not a chance. But there's legacies. If you won't do it for you, do it for you. The legacy. The Lord said, your son will never have to go through what you went through. I've changed the course of my trajectory of my family. Because I said yes to the Lord. <clears throat> I've watched my mom come to the Lord. We were over three years of me walking with the Lord before she finally surrendered. And do you know what, what changed her? It wasn't by what I spoke. It was, it was by how I lived. God would purposely put me in situations where the old me would blow up. And I would handle it with grace. And I would handle it with love. And my mom was like, who are you? Where's my son at? I am your son. Jesus changed me. And then she would go through situations and said, I need what you have. I need that peace. I need that. God rebuilt that rest, that, that relationship. And we got ostracized after I came to the Lord. 
I didn't understand it. When I was serving the devil, nobody wanted anything to do with me. And then when I came to the Lord, nobody wanted anything to do with me. They said, you're too crazy and wild and extreme over there. And you're too crazy and extreme. I said, look, let me tell you something. I was the type, when I came around, you could smell the alcohol off of my pores when I sweat. You ever been around someone like that? Yeah, he said, been there. I walked around like this all the time, like satellites, because I was always on coke. And I told the Lord, I said, if I could live for the devil like that, not caring what anybody thought about me, being a fool, walking around with a gun in my waist, trying to strike fear into people because I had been fearful my whole life. If, if I could live like that, like that for the devil, it would be a dishonor for me to live any less for the king. If I could be that sold out, then I have to do how much more for the king of kings and the Lord of lords. My mom would tell me, she's like, every time you come around, I can feel you judging me. I said, you can feel me judging you. What you do is between you and God. I don't have no say because my family's a party family. We all grew up drinking. Once you turn 15, you know, we're Hispanic. Hey, here's a beer, you know. My mom's like, I can't even drink in peace when you get around. You start judging me. I said, how? I haven't said anything. I'm smiling and laughing. She said, I can feel it. I said, Mama, what you're feeling is conviction. That ain't me. That's between you and God. Then one day, she says, she called me. She said, something happened. I said, what's that? She said, I can't drink anymore. I lost the taste. I lost the desire. One plants. Another waters, but God gives the increase. We will frustrate ourselves trying to make the increase happen in someone's life. I was out with the brother a while back, spending some quality time, and he was really rough around the edges. I mean, rough. He was, we're out in the middle of the woods hunting and stuff, and he was doing things i ain't going to talk about i just loved on him he's like oh you don't smoke i said no god delivered me from that but you know just loving on him not preaching nothing i said no i got delivered this you know and i would share little bits he called me two weeks after that he said you changed my life i said i did what and that i didn't do anything that was god but tell me how like what happened he said just being around you Something happened to me. And, and it, it blew my mind because I didn't prophesy over him. I didn't pray over him. I just did life with him. He said, I can't get high anymore. I just lost the desire. Another time. And these are testimonies to increase your faith. Because who is in you? It's Christ. The hope of glory, Ephesians 1.18 says, that, I pray that the... The eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the power that is available for you. The same power that rose Christ Jesus from the dead is alive and active in you. Another time I, w- I was actually ministering like this. But before it was time to get, get the mic, I just walked behind a brother and just started rubbing his shoulders. Just loving on him. Just felt led to. 
so I, I walk away and then he calls me. Hey, why did you do that? I said, do what? He said, you came and rubbed my shoulders like giving me a massage. I said, I was just loving on you. He said, I've had this bad crick in my neck for the past two weeks. I couldn't even move it. And once you did that, it's gone. And once again, God was deconstructing something in my mind. Because we have a habit of believing because God moved a certain way that he wants to do it the same way. But that's why it's so important to be led by the spirit of God. Why can't you just wave your hand over me and declare that I'm clean? Why do I have to go jump in the river? Why did I have to go halfway across the world to get touched by God? Why do I have to go to a men's retreat? I don't know. I'm not God. Sometimes he's knocking. And there's an invitation. He's saying, are you going, are you hungry? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness sake, for they shall be filled. If you're you're hungry, he's going to feed you. Mm. I can't tell you how many times growing up. Come on, let's go. Where are we going, mom? Just get in the car. And I had to have all these questions. And she would tell me, hey, either you get in the car or you stay here. Quit asking. Jesus. And then I would get in and we would go somewhere fun. We would go to an aunt's house. We would go to a barbecue. And what I'm seeing is God pulling up saying, get in the car. There's a destination going. Some of you have been in the valley And the Lord's saying, it's time to go into the mountain. But I want to tell you something so profound. When you're on top of that mountain, guess what? There's not a lot of stuff up there. Do you know where the most growth is? It's in the valley. That's where the cities are. That's where the hustle and the bustle. That's where the growing takes place, the pruning. And this house has been being pruned and pruned. I'm seeing the scissors because he prunes those he loves. He's cutting away the dead things to make way for the new. See, if we allow those dead things to linger on that tree, it just takes up room. It takes up space. I told Pastor Andrew, I kept seeing a fireball hit. Like this big meteorite just hit the house. And he's like, it better be a good one. (laughs) I really believe it is though. But what happens when that fireball hits, it shakes things up. It shakes us up. And it consumes, it's an impact. God wants to have an impact in your life there. See, and when he makes that impact in your life, you were making impact upon everyone else. I didn't get in this because I was responding to a job offering. Right. I didn't see someone say now hiring prophetic ministers. Now hiring apostles. I, I didn't know. I didn't even want to be a Christian. I didn't want to be one of those holy rollers. Now I'm. 
Now I'm the Holy Roller. <laughs> I came because he drugged me, right? But then he showed me his goodness, his kindness, and it's the goodness of God that leads a sinner to repentance. And I started reading this word and getting into it because I wanted to know about the one who set me free. And then once I learned about him, I wanted everyone else to know about him. Like, how could I keep this to myself? How? I'm, I was in chains. I was depressed. I was oppressed. I was in bondage. And, and my heart breaks for those in those same chains. And I have to, hey, there's, there's good news. There's freedom. There's hope. My story is very similar to the maniac at the Gerasene region. The man with legion who would cut himself among the tombs. And he got set free. The, the, the unknown evangelist. What was that man's name? Just the man with legion. Had legion. He said, take me with you, Jesus. He said, no, go into the Decapolis and tell him what I did for you. Go into the ten cities. What did this man preach? Was it resurrection? Christ had already been, hadn't been resurrected yet. It wasn't the Old Testament. It was freedom. It was deliverance. I was in chains. I was in bondage. I was out of my mind. And there's a man named Jesus that set me free. And he can do the same for you. God is looking for unknown evangelists. No names. That would just say, here I am, Lord. Use me. I see the coals of fire here. Do you know what the coals of fire are? That's in the year that King Uzziah died. Isaiah said, I saw the throne. I saw the train of his robe, it filled the temple. And they said, holy, 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 holy are you, Lord God Almighty. And there was a call going out. Whom will go? Whom shall I send? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. And then that angel took a coal from the altar, from the burning, and put it on his lips and began to purify himself. See, when you come into the presence of the king, everything changes about you. She said, you were one of them. The, the, the servant girl said, you were with Jesus, Peter. He said, no, not me. She said, I can tell by the way you talk. See, even your very speech will be, betray you. Because you won't speak with human wisdom and human knowledge. There will be a weight upon your words. Because when you wait, that's how the weightiness comes. The Lord is looking for people he can anoint. Do you know what it means to anoint? To smear. Anybody like barbecue? I love barbecue. You know how we know barbecue is good? They smear it. They anoint it. And then they put it in that oven. How do you know brisket is good? How do you know ribs are good? When the meat is falling off the bone. How does God know you're ready to come out of that fire when the meat is off of your bone? The flesh is gone. Why did the lions not smell Daniel? Because they were looking for flesh. 
They were looking to eat something alive and he was dead. He was in the spirit. He was hidden. God is looking for the hidden ones that will come under the wing. Psalm 91 says, he is my rock, my refuge, my God in whom I trust. He will save me from the snare of the fowler. From the deadly pestilence. He covers me under his pinions. Under his feathers. Under his wings. I will not fear the arrow that fly by day. Nor the deadly pestilence. None of that. Because we're under his shadows. I, I, I had a man manifesting on me one night. We were on the streets of Bissonette. I do work with a ministry called Elijah Rising. They minister to, these, uh, to the women that are being trafficked. And we pray for the sex trafficked women and the pimps and there's this man he pulled up one night and he's glaring at us he was like hey hey can we help you how's it going he's like I'm a devil worshiper okay that's nice but can we pray for you anything you need and he just drove off he made it his mission for the next three four weeks to just harass us stalk us because we walked the streets from like 10 in, at night to sometimes 3 4 o'clock in the morning and he would just be waiting for us and just, he would literally stop traffic and just stare at us. And I'm praying, seeking the Lord, asking, God's not giving me nothing. He pours up one day and puts his music on. He starts smoking a blunt, starts dancing and rapping. I was like, oh, we having a dance battle, are we? We taking it back to the 90s or what? Like, I said, can I, do you mind if I freestyle? I said, turn the music up. I'm a rapping in the Holy Ghost. I just start going off in tongues, right? And dancing. And he just looked at me. I was like, I'm just here to love you, brother. I thought we were having fun. You just, and he got out and left, right? I was like, okay, I guess you didn't want to, I guess I won that round. So, anyway, he comes back one night. We, we come through a, a time of prayer and fasting. And how many knows something so profound happens when you begin to fast? See, Jesus said these kind of can only come out by prayer and by fasting. So we come out on that night. He's, he's in an uproar. He's growling, screaming, cussing. I said, Lord, I'm tired of this. What do you want me to do? He said, take authority. So I walk over there. I said, hey, look. I said, that's enough. It's time for you to go and you and all your little demons get in your car, get out of here. You're not welcome here anymore. And he glares at me and he begins to walk. He gets in the car and no one's seen him since then. And the Lord showed me that when he left that place, that he was in his car. And he was like, why did this happen? How did he make me leave? And God was going to minister to him at that time. I might not see the immediate fruit, but it's God to give the increase. And that's what I'm saying. I've seen these principles in operation time after time after time. I've, I've had it to where a man swung at me and his hand gets caught in the air. And I've had it times where I've allowed someone to hit me. I told my wife one time, I have a cousin, he's, he holds a lot of hatred and bitterness towards me for things that happened in the past. And he's a devil worshiper now. He grew up in church. And he was going off and he was drunk and cussing at his mom. She was babysitting my kids. And 
I said she was going to watch them so we could go have a date. I prayed about even sharing this. I wasn't going to share this, but the Lord told me to. So I told my wife, I said, hey, we're fixing to go get the kids. He's over there drunk and he's causing an uproar. I said, we're going to deal with this. He's going to hit me and you're going to, we're going to let him. And I told her exactly how it's going to play out. And so she's like, all right, I mean, my wife is used to these crazy things. That She said, you know what? I stayed with you and followed you when you were on drugs and you would blow our rent money. I'm following you now that you're following Jesus. Um, I told her, I said, hey, one day, God's like, give, give your entire rent money and offering. And she's like, are you serious? I said, like, hey, look, that's what God told me to do. She said, I mean, you've blown it before on drugs. Why not the church? And that's a whole nother testimony. But we got checks in the mail after that and another place to stay. So anyway, we walk into the house and I call his name out and said, hey, it's time to deal with this. He's like, oh, you ready to fight? You ready? I said, I'm not going to fight you. I said, I love you. It's time to let these bygones be bygones. It's time to, to forgive because the only one in bondage is you. And he's cussing me out and he's yelling. I said, if this is what it's going to take for you to be free, then get it out. And he hit me. I said, get it out. Because... Right now, I'm more concerned with your soul than anything else. Whatever feud, whatever we have, this is minute compared to the eternity. And he's like, fight me. And I was like, I'm not going to fight you. And he hit me a couple times. I'm, I'm used to, I grew up fighting, you know. So I used to get jumped as a kid, so. But my heart was breaking. And he poured a shotgun out. And he cocked it. He said, I'm going to kill you. I said, if that's what it takes for you to be free, then do it. I've made my peace with the Lord. I said, if that's what it takes for you to be free, then do what you need to do. And right when he was fixing to do it, his buddy grabbed the gun. He said, hey, you're tripping. Don't do that. He said, see, your God just saved you. I said, you're right. He did because it wasn't my time. You think that you're the first person to take me, try to take me out? I said, when it's my time, it's my time. He said, no, your God just saved you right there. I was like, yeah, God used him to intervene. He was trying to say that his buddy was my God. I was like, no. And I said, I, I hope one day you'll get free from this. Do you know right after that, he, not even two weeks later, he got picked up and he was facing life in prison on other charges. And he signed a prison sentence of like eight years. God said, I'm trying to get a hold of you. I'm not saying each and every one of you are going to be called to go and let somebody hit you. My, <laughs> you know what's so crazy? I've been training for over two years as a fighter, too. Like, my mind is like, I can elbow him and do this and do that. But I said, Paul says, I become all things to all people. Each one of you are called to influence your spirit and your region in a different way. I know my assignment and I know my lane. And I'm going to walk that into the fullness of my calling. But I'm dead. My old pastor used to tell me, go to the grave and start yelling at one of those people and slap them around. What they're going to do? He said, nothing. They're dead. He said, that's how we need to be. 
And what you realize is in those times, the Bible says, when your enemy is hungry, feed him. When he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you heap hot coals upon their head. For vengeance is mine. You put your hands in the life of God and knows that he will fight your battles. Wow. Some of you are dealing with difficult people in your life. And the Lord's saying, Exodus 14, 14, be still and know that I'm the Lord thy God and I will fight for you. Now, I'm not saying stay in an abusive relationship or any of those things. I'm saying hold your peace and give it to the Lord and love and watch what God would do. I've seen it time after time after time in my own life. And I've gotten to the point where when someone comes against me, I pray, God, have mercy. They know not what they do. They know not what they do. saying pray for activation if you feel that knocking in your heart if you feel that prodding and you know that the Lord has more in store I invite you so we can pray if you want that fire of God on your life you. Paul says, I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift upon you for your edification. I believe there is an importation taking place right now in the spirit. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. He says, I have so much more in store. So much more in store. Shh. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Jesus. Yes, Lord. More. More. More and more fire, more fire, more. I just uproot every rock that has been trying to clog up the wells in this house. I declare that this is a living well. This house is a living well, a spring bursting forth like old faithful. I just declare that gaze, that geyser is erupting in this house. Jesus. It is. Mm.
Jesus declared joy. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. The joy, supernatural joy, supernatural peace. Just fire, Lord. Let your holy fire fall. Let this be, this offering be acceptable to you, Lord. Yes. We break off everything that has been tethering us to the ground. We break off all tethers. Yeah. I declare it's a new season for this house and for each and everyone here. I declare, Father God, that every spirit of disunity is being eradicated and that unity is being wrought. Weld it together. Yes, Lord, more, more fire. Yes, there it is. Receive. Wow. You're a deep drinker. Drink, 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 drink. There's an awakening taking place. I hear the Lord saying there's an angel of awakening that is here. There's a newness coming. Rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. A fresh baptism of the fire, the Holy Ghost. I just see the oil of the Lord dripping all over you. I declare that you will be a, a teacher of the word, a prophetic teacher, a preacher of the word. Wow. I declare that everything that has tried to hinder and silence your voice is being broken. It's like I see this claw-like hand on your throat trying to keep you silent. And the Lord is saying, you are a lioness. And the lion of Judah is roaring inside of you. Roar. 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 You will break tradition. You will break religions of men. You'll break idols in the land like Gideon. Awaken. Awaken, daughter. Awaken. I'm calling you deeper. Deeper. I see you in the healing pool of Bethsaida. Even soul wounds are being healed. Wounds in the emotions. I uproot right now all betrayal, all rejection, all abandonment. 
And I speak identity, acceptance. Yeah, I hear your spirit crying, Abba, 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 Daddy, 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 Daddy. He said, I am, I am, I am, I am. When your father and your mother forsake you, I become your father. I become your mother. I become your everything. I just hear him saying, I am the great I am in your life. I see you before the burning bush like Moses. And I see you leading people out of bondage like the exodus. Jesus. Thank you for the spirit of creativity that is on her life. I just see, for some reason, like music all over here. Music notes. I just see you singing. Yeah, I'll break every spirit of shame, of condemnation, of guilt off of your life right now. You lying devil. Go! Every fiery dart, every intrusive thought, go! You are a warrior. You are a warrior. Break. 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 all yours the Lord said take it it's all yours it's all yours every oppression every depression all heaviness everything that tries to creep on when no one's around every weight yeah like singing and twerking and you know homeless reminds me of that to where she walks out and the birds are singing and I can't even remember which one it is Jesus I think so like a pillar, just a source of strength, unmoving and unwavering and unshakable. Wow. I declare that you will not be a man of compromise, that you will stand unwavering, unshakable, unmovable, because you know that you, your life is founded on the rock of your salvation. And you will be a source of strength and comfort for those around you. I see like this bear-like spirit just like protecting and fathering and just loving and nourishing. 
James 1, 5, it says, If anyone lacks wisdom, ask God who giveth unbridled if not. And I just see wisdom, wisdom over your life, understanding. To the sons of Issachar, it says that there is an anointing upon their lives, that they were able to understand the times and seasons that they were in and the best route for Israel to take. I just release an increase of discernment in your life and understanding. I thank you for the activation, Father God. Yeah. Whoa, you're going to hear the Lord's voice a lot clearer. I just declare all that gray noise, all that distraction, all that. Yeah, it's like a radio. What I'm seeing, you know, when it gets staticky, you just got to tune that dial in to hear the clear channel. I just see you tuning the dial in. And the voice of the Lord coming clear. I just I speak an increase in dreams and in visions. I see you like with a journal by your bed, just writing down what you're seeing. going to be a good service because I started losing my voice. And I told my wife the last time that I lost my voice, what she knows is uh, when I flew out to Colorado. And uh, I'm getting ready to wrap up. I just felt led to share that. I was ministering at a public park and it was a, a church that just opened up and I had like 40, 50 people there at the park and I lost my voice that day. So I had to drink a lot of like teas and coffees. There was a bunch of homeless people by the porta potty. So because I was drinking that much, I had to use the bathroom. And I walked over there and they kept surrounding this truck. And immediately I was like, they're buying drugs. So I start praying and use the bathroom, come back to the pastor. I said, I'm trying to hear the Lord and see if he wants to do anything. I'm not getting anything. 
So I have to go back to the bathroom, like I said, because I was drinking a lot trying to get my voice back. And I tried to open the porter potty, and someone's like, I'm busy in here. And immediately I had a vision of him shooting up. And I'm like, God, he ain't giving me nothing. So I'm like, okay. I walk back, and we're praying. I had the pastor I was with praying and interceding. We start the service. About 30 minutes later, they're willing that man out of the porta potty. He had died of an overdose. And the Lord said that he literally spoke and said, people are dying and going to hell right next to y'all while y'all having service. And it just really spoke the increase in the urgency of us being equipped and activated to do the work of the Lord. Not to condemn and say, oh, y'all not doing enough, but just showing the seriousness, the urgency. And I feel that, 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 that call even today, the Lord saying, it's time to go into the highways and the byways and bring them in. And when we bring them in here, God will do the rest. God will clean them. And I just hear the Lord saying, Pastor, throw your net back in. I've been fishing all night, Lord. Throw your net back in. And there was so much fish that it began to strain the nets. And I literally see the net dropping in this house and all these fish just flopping around. But remember when fish comes, it's smelly. It's dirty. It gets a little wet. But God's saying, don't worry, I'll clean them up. Yes, Lord. I just hear the Lord saying, you have been found faithful. I'm reminded of Timothy. Paul says, I have no one else of kindred spirit. Wow. I'm even seeing that same kindred spirit between you and Pastor Cameron. Just the heart of a shepherd, the heart of a leader, of a pastor, of a father. Legacies are in this house. And this house isn't going to stop at just one. The Lord's saying there's many more houses I'm springing forth out of here, many more branches. That's why there's been such a fight over the promises of God concerning this house and what God's shown you in the secret chambers, even though nobody knows. And I hear the Lord saying, it's time to dream again. Time to dream big again. Though the vision tarries, it will come. The visions I've shown you are going to come. I thank you, Father God, for being able to come alongside my brother and to partner with him and to be able to lift his hands to you just like Moses when he says his hands were growing weary and his brothers came alongside him and lifted his hands. So I come alongside my brother and lift his hands to you, Father God. And I pray that you will send men of like spirit that will help carry the burden. Even Moses had to appoint the elders to help him oversee. I declare, Father God, 
Even David had the mighty men. Before they were the mighty men, they were the ones in debt. (laughs) The ones broken, the ones nobody wanted. And you know, it said they did the same feats David did. They went out and slaughtered and conquered. And I declare that the mighty men are coming alongside. I declare that this house will raise up men of God. That will preach the truth. That will teach the truth. That will not compromise. Jesus. I declare that this house will be a house of restoration for marriages. I see marriages being restored in this house. Counseling going forth. I say, you lying devil, you've been exposed. You and all your tactics, plans, all your schemes. I declare you must restore sevenfold everything that was stolen in this house. Joy, peace, love, finances, people. I declare like an arrow being drawn back before it is fired that this house, these people here representative are arrows in the hands of the Lord that will be shot forth to pierce the kingdom of darkness. Blessed be the Lord who trains our hands for war. I hear the Lord saying, we are in war. And war is messy. War is loud. There's clanging taking place because there's swords that are hitting each other. But that head of that lying snake is being severed today. You said it beforehand. You said you wore your boots to stomp on the head of the devil. And I see it. I see the head of that devil being severed. He might be writhing around a little bit because he hasn't realized his head has already been cut off. I declare that every spirit of witchcraft, the divination in this area that has been released against this house will be broken. Wow. This house and the people here have been a target. But I declare... That no weapon formed against it shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against it in condemnation, it shall silence. The movements are being birthed. This will be a house of revival, a house of prayer, a house of worship. We pray for every coven, Father God, that would release anything against this house. Yes, Lord. I just declare that this, the ancient religious spirit that has been reigning in Beaumont is being broken. That spirit of competition that has been reigning in this land, in this region, is being broken. I declare that men and women of God will begin to partner alongside each other and help each other. 
Too many movements, too many mighty men and women of God have been pushed to the outskirts because of that Saul spirit. And I declare that the Davids are arising in this hour because there's giants in the land that must be slain. So we speak to this giant in Beaumont and we say you come to us with spear and javelin with witchcraft and religion but we come against you right now in the name of Jesus Christ Almighty and we say you must go. You will not stop the flow and the move of God in this region. This is just one of many hubs that are rising up to release the fire, the authority, the power, the presence, the word of God.